0: An artist sells their work, a brand sells itself. And I think when you look at the best people and the best brands, cause it, it's not about cost. It clears the way for the artist. It clears the way for the work. Like if you see a logo that tells you a story, you should be an expectation of what the work is gonna look like. It's it's a full picture that helps your sales go way, way, way easier. A lot of people, they spend all their work in sales and they don't invest in selling themselves before they talk to the client. I'ma get
1: right in my bed. Uh, why you gonna try to get mad? Uh,
0: keep up you
1: know I'm too fast okay so welcome to the wedding film school show my name is Jared per usual I'm here with mr Jason McCutcheon my co-host
0: subject um you know what's funny is we like we never ever ever tell people that we actually are wedding filmmakers
1: yeah we we haven't really said much <laughs> about ourselves well here's the thing is like We've been lucky because we've had so many um, awesome guests on lately that really you and I have just been answering a ton of yeah, questions. Yeah, we're
0: like accessories to the show.
1: Yeah, yeah, we're we're just the conduit to to the good stuff, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been awesome um, catching up with these really amazing filmmakers. Um, it really puts you in your place when you're around greatness. <laughs> and so I've been learning a lot actually about um, our brands, and and I think. Um, uh, just filmmaking in general, which is, um, something we are going to be, again, talking about today, Yes, uh, is branding, um, and, and creating a brand. So we um, cause
0: we're on a nice little, the reason why I mentioned our filmmaking is we're, we're experimenting with something really interesting right now that we're going to get into this episode, which is basically launching a totally new brand from scratch without our name attached to it, without the help of our previous, um, you know, reels or reviews. And so we're kind of experiencing this weird journey. So later when we talk about it, um, hopefully if it's cool, because rarely do we get the opportunity to just kind of be where someone just starting out is, Mm -hmm. but now we are, we're kind of in a place. There's some differences, key differences, but, but I think at the end of the day, hopefully it'll be helpful to you guys. So we're going to get into that a little bit later. Before we do that though, today's show is brought to you by no backlog. Love these guys. Um, if you are looking for an editor right now, you've got a huge backlog, um, or this is one thing I'll put out there. If you want to be planning for the huge amount of reschedules and just the, this year's gonna be probably heavier than most other years, right? For a lot of wedding filmmakers. Certainly is for us. Yeah, so that means a lot of people are gonna be needing a solution for outsourcing and getting their wedding films done. So why not no backlog? They do a great job. They're affordable and they do, like I said, a really, really good job. So head over to no backlog and get that film edited. We have a little promotion. If you're a first time customer, um, WFS 10, the promotion is WFS 10, head over there and you can get 10% off your first order. Thank you guys. Hopefully you do it.
1: Yeah. So we're going to actually start this episode with a new segment since it's just you and I today and we're calling it Gear talks.
0: Gear talk.
1: It's a working working title, and obviously a working uh, a theme song. Theme song. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: the it's just the built in one that came in the board. Yeah, exactly. It's called. So, it's actually called funky.
1: It. Yeah, it is that. It is that. Do you like this so, one better? Gear talk. Yeah. Sure. We <laughs> could. We can. We can A B it. Neither it, of them
0: are. <laughs> You tell us in the comments, which is a better theme song for gear. Talk.
1: Yeah, uh, but we're doing gear talk because um, there's a bunch of gear that's been dropped in the last week, and uh, we want to talk about what those items are. So yeah. we didn't really talk about how we're going to roll this out, but why don't we just. Um, no?
0: so let's start with the um the confirmed one and then we'll talk about the rumors. Sure. So, sure. So Black Magic had like a really cool keynote. Do they still call them keynotes, but a uh, presentation with a bunch of stuff. Um, Did they
1: have a keynote or were would they seem like they're the people that just are like, here it is on our website.
0: And black magic's So funny, man, because it's just have at it. They, everything they do, they just do in their own little world. Yeah. Um, which is really cool because well, here's what I do. Like I, I'm going to, s- I say that as a compliment with black magic because they honestly don't seem to care what anyone else is making. Yeah. They literally just make like this is what we want to make, and and usually there's a customer for that. And so in this case, what they did was they released a pro model of their um, very reputable. We have several of them. This this uh, podcast is filmed on Blackmagic cameras, um, but they released the Blackmagic Pocket Cinema Camera 6K Pro. Now, if you're like, well, what's the difference? Well, in a lot of ways, it's exactly the same the 6k still shooting that 6144 by 3456 super 35 sensor um so it gives you a little more of that bokeh than maybe the super 16 sensor that's on the 4k um it's an ef lens mount just like the old school pocket 6k um except it's got a bunch of really cool extra things and and so I, i'll go through those features and then let's talk about it a little bit um first of all um the thing that is obviously the most exciting to me is the flip out screen which is i actually like the screen on the black magic pocket 6k and the 4k but the angle of it is ridiculous and the fact that it doesn't have a pocket or sorry, a little flip out screen that is so annoying right so the fact that they have it on this one is awesome there's also a really cool thing they have built in ND filters i think they have two four and six stops which is really 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 incredible like i mean a flip out screen and nd filters is taking this thing and it's, it's like a real cinema camera now that you can take out and use it's got if you haven't used these black magic cameras first of all dual native iso um is absolutely incredible and, um, Finish going through the
1: specs, and then we'll, we'll hop in. Well, that's on, what I was going to say. Yeah. It yeah.
0: has dual native ISO, yep. which is a really, really awesome feature, 400 and 3200. So it's a kind of a low-light beast, a little sleeper there. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to know how to use it, though, I'll say that. So it does shoot 4K60. but it, I think it actually will shoot 6K50, which is kind of nice. Um, and, yeah, I mean, and the big thing is, of course, you're getting those that B-Raw raw codec that you get in all the other cameras, which if you're buying black magic, that's the real reason you're buying these cameras. It has a couple extra little features in terms of like, um, additional, um, like XLR inputs, things like that. And then it has a really cool, which I don't know how interesting this is to us, but if you're big into using a viewfinder, it has a bunch of viewfinder options.
1: Two XLR inputs, which is um, interesting. It makes it so that you can record straight to camera, which I don't know. Oh, well, if you have that. two
0: different interviews and you want to do one on the left side, one on the right. Well, I mean, that's a very common corporate
1: setup. If you're doing it for corporate work, yeah, of course. Um and isn't there a battery like an extended battery pack yeah. for it as well?
0: You know, the extended battery pack thing, I think it works though for all the I think you can use this new battery pack on all their cameras.
1: Okay. Okay. Is, is that confirmed?
0: I'm looking at it.
1: Yeah i um that's interesting because if you've worked with a black magic camera and you've put in your canon batteries um you know that they work for about uh, okay five so minutes ten minutes yeah so. so here's
0: the difference jared so the black magic pocket Battery grip just uses the lpe6 batteries yep and it has a dummy battery which kind of sucks mm-hmm. this one actually has it doesn't use a dummy battery it just attaches to the bottom and lets you have a battery on the inside Um, and it lasts up to three hours and it uses NP F five, seven, zero batteries, which are beefier batteries than the LPE six.
1: Are those Sony's? Yeah, I believe so.
0: So, so you're looking at a new battery grip exclusively for the pro, which has a special, um, so, I mean, I think you're looking at like, it's interesting.
1: They, they've, they've filled some holes, Price Um,
0: 2,500 bucks.
1: Yep great price as usual um they filled some holes for maybe the filmmaker that doesn't want to quite reach up to like an ursa um and i think it's i think it's a really interesting camera um to me the biggest thing is those nd filters because especially for wedding filmmakers oh yeah um, big deal means you don't have to crank shutter which you know i not, not going to dive into that debate um but it is nice to be able to crank those down and and expose um correctly um I know for us, instead of using, you know, when we're when we're shooting on our six Ks or four Ks, we're shooting on CNE lenses, Canon Sydney um, lenses, and so we had to get really expensive satchel 110 millimeter ring mounted well, because what's the point of buying circular
0: buying lenses that are fast if you can't get that bokeh and you can't yeah, use it so. yeah
1: exactly and so um those are really expensive they are really cumbersome to put on and off um they're like a circular flip of a, a tab and you Pull them easy off. to break very easy to break easy to mess up the thread on it they're a pain and so that's probably the biggest feature to me that's like you know that's that's awesome I'm, I'm glad that they did that the biggest bummer for me of course is there's no um internal stabilization there's no ibis um which to me that would have been the ultimate camera killer if it did it would just be like pff, i'll do everything to buy nine of those cameras instead of using yeah i would even consider doing that over uh, uh-huh, Fujifilm like for our company. Yeah. I'm not, we're
0: not a big, I mean, I'm perfectly comfortable shooting one system on a gimbal and another system in my hands. Yep. Yeah. And, and for me, I don't really care about autofocus that much when I'm shooting a wedding with when I'm holding it. Yep. Um, but I can tell you like, I love that flip out screen. I think that's very useful, especially cause, cause you know me, I'm not a big fan of the articulating screens. Mm hmm. I like the ones that flip up because those articulating screens, they're flimsy. I'm afraid of breaking them.
1: I'll be honest though. I, I don't like the screens <laughs> like in general, like you're going to put a monitor on these no matter what, like that. That's like, if you're outside, forget about it. You're not going to see anything. I think
0: I would, screen. I could shoot a wedding without, they're, a, they're without not, a screen.
1: Yeah, maybe but you might not be able to see <laughs>
0: <It> depends <laughs> what on when saying. it is, what you're doing. Yeah. But like, I can imagine a setting where I'm like, Oh crap. And I grab this camera. Yeah. I am. This is my opinion. That 6k. There's yeah. no setting where I'll shoot it without a screen. Yeah. Like it is such a pain. You can't see what you're doing. I can imagine going, I'm going to go on the dance floor, yep. flip this screen up and just not be have such a crazy rig. Now I can do that.
1: Yeah. I would say, um, I wish there was a way cause I don't think on the 6 ks or 4k, um, I don't know if there's a way to turn off the back of the screen. Like, so when you're recording, it's on your monitor and then it's always on the back of the screen, no matter what. I don't think there's a way to turn that off. So I wonder internally if they've, um, addressed that because that just, of course, wears on your battery. If you have two screens on at the same time, um, you can turn Mr. the, first.
0: the, yeah, I don't know if you can actually,
1: yeah. Um, that's always been a, a pain to me, but, um, but so, interesting. I, I, so what I, else
0: is on your wish list with this camera besides uh, the IBIS?
1: Um, Ibis, I think the next step up, which really isn't that important to me, is is 120 um, at 4K. Um, yeah, I, I think like, that's probably. I feel the like next, they gotta do it. They're gonna do it eventually, but um, not really. I would much rather have Ibis in the camera. That's, I would much that's rather the have thing. the
0: raw codec. Yep. yep. Like if that's the reason, if it's that's like a look, trade-off, sure. Yeah, I'll take that. Yep. The other thing I would say is they've never done this, so maybe they're never gonna. But I would love it if it was a full frame sensor.
1: Of course. Yeah.
0: Like that yep. would be great. Cause then, cause right now like black is always forcing you to make a decision between them and someone else. Mm-hmm. Yep. You're always having to look and go like, oh, but I really want that full frame. Yep. I really want like, they're never the camera. Like, like Sony pretty much goes like this. Even if you think it's overpriced, you want everything. Here's the a one. Mm-hmm. And they give you that yep. and, and black magic never really gives you that except with the new black magic ATM extreme mm. where they give you everything. Yeah. That thing is nuts. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But Explain if, to people what that is okay. because if you're not into, I'm live not totally,
0: totally sure this is relevant to wedding filmmakers. Sure. But maybe I think so. Like, cause it is expensive, but I'm telling like, I'm going to get one. What's um, the cost on it? It's about, t- well, if you get the ISO, which records independent video tracks of each one, it's about, it's 1295. I think if you get the non ISO version, it's like $1,000.
1: Yep. We're going to use it in our studio, in our here. studio. Yep. And this
0: thing has eight inputs, but here's, what's really exciting. If you ever use the ATM, there's some little things that drove me nuts. Like it didn't even have a headphone out mm-hmm. that annoyed me. You had to listen to your headphones on a monitor or something like that. It it only pr- took at the outs on the HDMI out, mm-hmm. which is like stupid. It was really annoying it also has two usb outs so you can plug it into the computer and record which that drove me nuts you Mm -hmm. had to set up this goofy atem like system using the um ethernet cable and then and plug the ssd directly into the usb it was a pain so this will let you do both it's got two hdmi outputs which is awesome because you could maybe plug one into like a little recorder Mm -hmm. like or or maybe directly into like a Yolo box or something like that. And then another one you can plug it into your monitor to actually like a big screen where you can actually look at your program outs. But it, I mean, it's got everything you could ever want for a mobile studio for a thousand dollars. It's awesome. I don't know. Like I think, what's the the exact price on it, uh, a thousand dollars for the the normal mode and like, if you want to be able to record individual tracks and export an XML at the end of your session, it's thirteen hundred dollars. Yeah, that's a, that's a great. Piece it's of a gear, great though. piece really of cool. gear. It's really cool. They give you everything you could ever want in live streaming slash pro- live switching and production. It's not just live streaming. You can like record a show on it. You can do a lot of stuff with this thing. Yep. It mainly as a person who's been around live production a lot. And I've seen the market become so much more accessible. This used to be like $8,000 worth of a different mm-hmm. pieces of equipment. Now they put it all in one. It's crazy. Yeah. So um, we got one more camera to talk about. In. Gear talk. Gear talk. Which is?
1: Yeah, the <laughs> Sony FX3 uh, was just um, leaked. Um, as of, as of the time of this recording, leaked, leaked, um, (laughs) as of the time of this publishing, um, it is actually going to be announced at, uh, CP plus over in Japan. They're actually doing CP plus online this year. Yeah.
0: The day Um, it's released, you'll probably know these specs
1: today. Yeah. Today. today.
0: As you're listening to it. So you're probably like, this is all news. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Unless you're listening to this podcast. A year from now, yeah. Uh, which in this case, why are you listening? Skip, skip forward <laughs> skip to the part. real topic. <laughs> um, yeah, the the FX three uh, Sony Cinema camera, um, kind of the lower end part of their Ciné line, apparently. Um, which um, do you want to read through some of those specs? Do you have them in front of you? You want me to read? Yeah, read just through? read the specs real quick because. Sure. It-
0: There's basically just an A7S III.
1: Yeah, so an A7S III inside a house of a cinema body, essentially a really small cinema body. A lot of the same specs. There's still going to be still mode inside of this camera as well. Going to take CF Express A cards, apparently uh, records 4K 120p, no 8K. uh, Pre-order start on uh, February 23rd. Approximate cost as of right now. I mean, we'll see, go on B&H, but as of this recording, they're saying it's gonna be about $4,500.
0: Yeah, US I've dollars. heard anywhere from thirty five to $5,000. Yep, yep, so um,
1: this is gonna be an interesting piece. I mean, the question I think with this is, who is this for? Is it like, are, if you have a Sony a7S three, are you going out and buying the FX3?
0: Yeah, so here's what this is. This is, first and foremost, It doesn't have things on it that you don't need Mm -hmm. which is really classic cinema style you know if you look at any of the modular builds you know that a lot of these people are putting out like red and things like that Mm -hmm. you know they're as small as possible and then you build it out so i think it's got a lot of those three quarter inch holes on them for mounting things which the a7s3 does not have um got a little xlr pack with it which, yeah. which the a7s 3 does not have. I mean, it's it's, a lot of so, this all a, Yeah, a little adapter. This is all a legend, of course. We yeah. don't know this for sure. Um, you know, I think for me personally, um, I prefer this camera over the um, a7s 3. I'm more accustomed to it. Um, I think this is a gimbal cam no brainer mm-hmm. for people. Like, it's small, it's got all the mounting points directly on it. It's got a lot of cool little features like that. Yeah. Um,
1: I think it depends. For me, it depends on if you're a videographer and if you're a cinematographer who also does photography. Yes, true. The A7S three, great for you if you're a hybrid shooter. If you are just a straight-up wedding filmmaker, I think this camera makes a lot more sense it has a lot of your mounting you know brackets on uh, the actual body or if you're itself. a
0: documentary filmmaker documentary or filmmaker this is, this is
1: this it's a no-brainer you'd probably go with this camera but kind of cool that sony is um creating a whole nother camera that is essentially the same camera but yeah. dedicated strictly towards filmmakers i think that's pretty cool i so. think
0: i think it was one of those things where i was like oh normally when companies do this i don't like it yep because it's like it's usually just cheesy, but I think they actually were like addressing some needs. Yep. Um, and then they also, of course, have this new crazy AirPeak drone, which I think this is supposed to be like a companion to. And I can really in a, in LA or in like in like production world, this is a great crash cam. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like if you're trying to like attach it to the outside of a car or do all this crazy stuff, you can just screw your mounting holes right to the camera. You don't have to deal with any kind of like additional cages, and I think. I think it's 4K pretty yeah, it's we'll really cool. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what the actual specs are. I'm not sure about like inputs, audio inputs. There's there's some things I want to know about it still, but but in general, I was like pleasantly surprised.
1: Yep. Yep. Going to be a cool piece of gear for yeah. sure.
0: If you're like
2: me, you know that music can literally make or break a wedding film. And finding that perfect song can be a frustrating and time-consuming process. You need a song that drives your story forward, leaves space for your audio and images to breathe, builds up over time, and is just playing good. No fear, music Bed has your back. I've literally been using Musicbed since they started in like 2011 or something, and they have been my go-to music licensing site ever since. I've used the other sites that you see floating around, but time and time again, I find myself coming back to Musicbed for the incredible quality of music across the board their sheer volume of their library, and their killer customer support. And to make it even better, they offer an incredibly cost-effective monthly membership with unlimited song licenses for your wedding films. If you aren't already using Musicbed, you are seriously doing yourself a disservice, but you don't have to take my word for how awesome this company is, you can grab a free month-long membership by following the link in our description. So head on over, sign up for a free month, explore their library, and use them for your next wedding film. You'll be glad you did. Okay, so welcome back. Today
1: we are talking about creating a wedding filmmaking brand from scratch. And this is something that uh, Jason and I have had a lot of experience with in the past and are currently experiencing with a new brand that we've launched ourselves. Do you want to just start off by talking a little bit about what that brand is and how yeah. we can relate
0: for what we do? We have a company called stop, go love and we're dealing with around 120 weddings a year. We build our team from scratch. We don't go on Facebook and say anybody looking to shoot nothing wrong with that, but we don't personally do that. Everything is done in house from very beginning to the very end. We edit all our own films. We want a different take on, I think what people would consider a volume brand. We consider it just a team. You know and one yeah, of the issues a, a studio yeah we're we, a studio we're, we're
1: a studio we have employees we have some contractors depends on what the job is and what the needs are but in general we're, we're a studio brand there's yeah. nothing wrong with running uh, a brand that is run much more like a studio as opposed to self-operating but different models for sure
0: for sure and so one of the things that ended up kind of being a problem for us over the years is we had more people who we wanted to give opportunities to than we had weddings. Cause I think we were looking at our prices and we we're like, no, we really need to be giving when it comes to Stucco love our most experienced people. And those people of course have earned the spot, right? Yep. They need, their, they deserve their 30 weddings. Yep. And so we were like, but wouldn't it be great if we had an opportunity for these people to film? And so we talked to them and we we're like, what are the impediments for a n- new person who's maybe young or whatever, to getting started in wedding filmmaking. What are the parts that they're gonna screw up potentially that are gonna hurt my clients and hurt me? And so he said, okay, what kind of brand would that be? So he said, well, it would be a brand where you didn't have to worry about audio, where you limited your multicam setups, um, where you were comfortable being shooting handheld as much as you could, and then what's the camera for that? Oh, okay, it's the Fuji X, because it needs to also be on the lower cost side, so the rig needs to go down in cost. So all this stuff we factored in, and also
1: in. editing, right? So so just how can we essentially do an edit in half the time, right? Mm-hmm. And and that it all ties into okay. Well, we're probably going to have to lean more towards like a music video style approach as opposed to a combination of voiceover and music music video style. So um, yeah, th- this was kind of like you know brainchild it was long conversations with our editor because you know kyle was very involved in this process of like well how can we throw so many kyle is the best by the way shout out to kyle I've never you, listened to
0: our show probably one time yeah <laughs> no no no
1: he he listens to us talk uh, plenty uh on the back end but um but yeah yeah he, that's he, how we
0: think about wedding films it's like where is the cost? The cost is the gear per rig. The cost is the person. The cost is the length of time it takes to edit and deliver. The cost is yep. how much it costs to market. You know, and so all of that came into how can I? What's the price I can do it at? You know, and and what is the average bride paying? We've done some demographic research. I think the average bride is still paying under fifteen hundred dollars for their wedding film. Now, a in, lot general. Of, in general. In general. And so, in the U.S. In the U.S. Yeah, and a lot of people. Would complain about that. My approach. I think is, it's about
1: twelve hundred, actually. Last yeah, I yeah.
0: I was just trying to be generous to make people feel happy. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's pro. It's I think it's actually like nine ninety nine, maybe. Really? Yeah. yeah we keep pretty, going
1: down. We may, it may as well be five hundred.
0: It's a, it's a hundred. It, the average bride's paying one dollar for their wedding film. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we've no, but regardless, you know, they're not paying. I don't want to make a wedding film for that cheap, but I want to make a wedding film that's accessible as possible because mm-hmm. I do think there's a bride for it. Yeah. And there's someone, a bride and groom for it. and um, Well, and
1: it's, it, it comes down to, and we talk about it a lot, like, yes, if you are a solo filmmaker, you should be trying to upsell all your clients. So if you are averaging around, you know, your package is like $3,000 or $2,000, you should be like, hey, have you thought about doing drone, adding on, and, and maybe that couple wasn't interested at like, you know, $3,000 price point, but then they met you and like, Maybe now you can upsell them like that's great. Like a couple that originally thought they were going to spend 2000 is now spending 3000. That's not going to be every couple. And I would say that's probably not going to be most couples out there. They're not, you're not going to be able to upsell them by a third of what their original intent was. Um, no, yeah, my pe- personal opinion from a majority of people out there. Um, so don't be discouraged if you're not finding that most people want to spend that much more money because, Videos just maybe lower on their list of needs.
0: Yeah. We, we just, our typical approach is like, what's the least that I can invest to get the most possible return on my investment.
1: Yeah. So like, so we were more like how can we curate a product that fits the people that can spend exactly what they want without decreasing the quality of the
0: product. And without decreasing, increasing the time, like without decreasing the profitability. Sure. So we wanted to to to
1: make it so that it fits in their budget. Hitting our profit margins, which we're
0: looking at 30 to 40% and hitting our quality expectations. We don't want to deliver products that are subpar. We don't want to be a wedding mill. We don't want to be the type of people who are just putting out product and we don't even look at it. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's, we're never going to do that. So all that being said, we said, okay, what's the feel? What's the vibe? So we, and and so if you're wondering where, where are we going with this? What we want to talk about is how we think about setting up a brand, how maybe you might think about setting up a brand if you're new to wedding filmmaking, because branding, I was telling you this beforehand. I said, an artist sells their work, a brand sells itself. And that's good. I'll let you sit on that for a while. If you listen to me say that, but like you say it again,
1: Jay, I was uh, on my phone. Say, yeah, say yeah. it one more time.
0: I said an artist sells their work, but a brand sells itself. And I think when you look at the best people and the best brands, because it's not about cost, it clears the way for the artist. It clears the way for the work. Like if you see a logo that tells you a story, you should be in expectation of what the work is going to look like. What is the website going to look like? You look at the social platform, you get to the website, what's the price going to be like? All that stuff, it's, it's a full picture that helps your sales go way, 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 easier. A lot of people, they spend all their work in sales and they don't invest in selling themselves before they talk to the client. You know, and it's not just like I'm posting every day, I'm posting every day. We don't post every day. That's not our strategy. It's some people's, it's a great way to do it. We're not the type of brands that are like, we're going to have a relationship with all our potential customers. We don't do that. We put out what we want to be. We put our identity out there and, you know, try to be as consistent as we're able to with how busy we are. And people seem to gravitate towards it. So anyway, that's what we're talking about is creating a brand. Um, and so when we started this, we said, okay, who are our customers, our customers that we're not reaching especially well too with stop, go love because people would call and they go, oh, that's a little too pricey. So I think that informed it too. talk a little bit about that. Cause I know that that was one of the things where you're like, ah, it drives you nuts to leave money on the table.
1: Well, it's like, it's hard to compete if someone comes at you. And, and by the way, I, I should say with, with stop, go love with our main brand, we shoot a ton of weddings with, uh, we put all the pricing out, on the website. So people getting to the end of, you know, the sales cycle, um, they've caught up on the phone with me. They might at the end of the day, just be like, you know, it's just a little too expensive for us. We thought we might want to swing it, you know, but we just had this, you know, the venue just said we have to pay $9,000 for tablecloths now. And so we maybe we'll go with a cheaper option for video drives you nuts. Well, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, we wanted to be like, well, we wanted to create a ladder, right? We wanted to create this, a, a, two two different ladders, a sales ladder, but then also a personnel ladder on, on the back end. Yeah, with, we had two problems we were solving. So, you know, it just made sense for us to be able to do that. So with the sales ladder, what it did was allow me to say, okay, well, we're, you, we're too expensive. You don't want to spend $4,000 on a wedding film. What can you swing? And most people would be like, well, probably half that, maybe 2000 maybe 2500 You know, I still want their money, and I still want them to get a really high-quality product. So... It, that's when those discussions started of just trying to figure out how we can still give people a quality product for less money, but essentially for less work. What they're
0: end. able to pay, you know, specifically in like, what are the corners that not corners we can cut, but what are the things we can remove from the product that help us pick up that profitability again yep. and remove the risk and open up the door for different people to shoot it. Yep. And of course the client's still happy.
1: Yep. Yep. And, and you know, when we cre- started creating this brand, I mean, there's just a million things you have to think about. You have to think about who your ideal client is outside of how much money do they have. I mean, that's the first question that I think we asked and what kind of forced this thing to happen was how much money are these people willing to spend? And then the second question is what kind of product do these people want at that point? price point. Yeah, are so, they, what, what, what is the most that we can charge for the, the little most amount of work that we're, we're putting into this brand while still being really happy with the, the quality product. So right? you
0: ended up finding people who are finding like technically we kind of can get started around 3,700 for people mm-hmm. to get like a product they actually want. Yep. Um, and they were even looking at that and going, that's too expensive. Mm-hmm. Right. But, they, but the good thing is we put in some sales work so we have the trust and so downselling them can work. But it also told us a little bit about, okay, who are the people that can't afford it but want it? Mm-hmm. And these people tend to be on the younger side. You know, they're not, they're like, they're brides and grooms who are probably a little under 30 versus the brides and grooms that are 30 to 40. Mm-hmm. They have their careers going all the way, They're doctors and lawyers, a lot of these people they you know, they don't they got the money, it doesn't really matter to them. Yep. Um, and so we looked and we go, okay, well what do those people want? Yeah. What are people who are in their twenties and thirties want? Well they in my opinion, you know, based on what we know, because I'm older than that, so I don't I get what do I know anymore about a twenty year old? But <laughs> <laughs> but but they it's all about social media and it's about being instantly shareable and instantly um, just connecting to their friends and families. Yep. So there's a component of it. That's the, you know, the recap film, yep. the highlight film, whatever you want to call it. But then we added, okay, well, vertical story edits. Mm-hmm. Can we deliver, I think we're doing three, four, four vertical story edits. Now they're templated. We, in our mind, we, ahead of times we're, we're doing them like, this is how we do it every time. Um, Cause, and we're going, these, this is the social media generation wedding film product. and. Mm-hmm so then the other thing is, okay, what types of brands are these girls att- like attracted to? Um, okay. We're looking free people. We're looking at anthropology. We're looking, um, at ph- photographers out there who are maybe on the uh, either light and airy slash the hipster kind of, um, sepia toned Brown kind of, you know, earthy you can make yeah. fun of that all you want, but clients like it. Yeah. yeah, They like it. They like the film overlay. they like, Feeling like they're in California, even when they're in New England.
1: Yep, and and I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of brides and grooms out there that when they spend money on on a film, they almost want it to be surreal. They want themselves. They want to look at it and be like, "Man, we look so cool." Yep. In that film, we look like we are just like have all of our shit together and like we're just Instagram worthy. You know, a lot of people don't know how to take photos a lot of people do plenty of people are out there you know just working a job and they're like I love taking photos and I have a great Instagram feed whatever a lot of people just aren't like that so then we give them the opportunity to make them a star with this film um that's very fashion forward that's very uh, friendly to today's trends and so that that was one of the questions and and I guess one of the differences between brands if you're trying to decide like what am I going to gravitate towards? What kind of films do I want to make? What kind of clients I want? Um, was, you know, we asked ourselves, what kind of films do we want to make? That's different. Um, stop go love is much more of like, I would call it a classic wedding film.
0: It's classic new England luxury.
1: Yes. It's classic the colors are classic. We want something that will stand the test of time as long as possible. I mean, everyone says that. Um, but that's what we're trying to do is, is, you know, if it wasn't for the music, you would be able to place this film and 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 the technology, um, the ceiling that we hit with technology, um, you wouldn't be able to tell that this is in you know 2010. 2015, yeah, the, I mean
0: these brides and whatever. grooms are not edgy people.
1: We're not trying to make it edgy. With merriment, we were like we want it to be for the person who wants to feel edgy right now and put up their their film right now and have their friends be like, wow, that's so that seems like such a cool day you guys are so cool <laughs> yeah
0: know? yeah it's it's shamelessly trendy yes, and yes. like and I feel
1: just th- accepting it but being honest about that's what we're trying like I it's you can call it gimmicky whatever but it's just like this is what we're going after and people seem to really like it and gravitate towards so it so we
0: ended up the next thing when you're looking at a brand is really you got to name it yeah you got to like create an image for it so so we were talking through like anthropology and like and like you know what a, i don't want to be sexist about it but typically when i think about a wedding film brand I, i'm marketing to brides mm-hmm. Yeah. you know, because that's where all the publications are pushing. Of course we end up talking to a lot of grooms more and more and more grooms are reaching out first. But if you hear me talking about the marketing side and you're like, Hey, he's only talking about women. Well, it's kind of how we set up our brands. Yeah, Like we just are like, okay, most of the people who are interacting with this content are women. So mm-hmm. it needs to fit within this sphere. It needs to feel like a women's fashion brand. Yes. Not a production brand ran by men. Yeah. Because if not, you're kind of like you, you have to understand who your audience is. You have to speak in a way that they're comfortable with and that they're used to. So we looked at that. We talked about language that would be fun, hip, cool. Like I was really inspired by some of our New York friend photographers. And of course the West coast photographers and people in the Southwest and Australia. And we were like, what do we want it to be? Want it to be a party? Well, it's kind of an elevated word for party and having fun. Merriment. So he said, Merriment films is what we're going to call it which is like fun. And we came up with the tagline, which is wedding films for wild hearts. Um, and it's really in your face. Yep. Crazy over stylized, just like no apologies kind yep. of like trendiness.
1: And we created this at the beginning of 2020. Um, in our probably, mind, at
0: least we didn't really create it.
1: But. Yeah. We, we started putting it together and then obviously the coronavirus hit in 2020 and what's happening right now is a lot of elopement so we're like hey now we can really start trying to do more elopementy type of films which are kind of cater to that look anyhow um so i think that's something that is going to be interesting for us too and yeah and i think the reasons why i like it we talked a little bit about the sales ladder another reason why i like it personally and, and one reason why we started going towards it, it doesn't really have to do a lot with brands but um, it allows our shooters to do a lot of, uh, creative shooting and just like, Hey, it's experiment, you know, work with this, play around with this. Like you can make mistakes in this kind of world because the edits are going to be fast and they're going to be fun. And we're just going to tear up your footage anyways. Yeah. Like, well, in general,
0: one thing to keep in mind, like I said, no audio, we yep. do actually offer like a little ceremony coverage, like just a few, Yep. Two, a, yep. Well, single camera thing
1: single camera angle and people eat it up
0: <laughs> yeah and but but in general no audio yeah. and the other thing is one song mhm so the, the it's a one song edit yep and that's very clear to the client yep. you're going to get a one song edit four vertical cuts that's it we sell one thing and then if we have some all, we do a la carte and and that's a different than what we do with our other brand our other brand we have a three packages plus a la carte with this one we technically have three packages but really it's all just building off of doing this recap film. So, so, you know, we we talked about like kind of how we decided on a brand and how we decided on like a look and a feel based on the audience that we had, that we wanted to sell to kind of like just before we get into a couple other things, we kind of talked about how we came, we came about this brand, which is we had a very clear picture of who we were selling to. And I think we had a pretty good idea of what we wanted to make, which was like a more hip product. And, I, and the other thing is, maybe when you're starting your brand out, like you don't have another brand that has a totally different voice where you're like, I can't make this under this brand. Like most people are probably gonna have to make one brand. That's probably most people. But I will say, one of the things I, I've thought about is like, if you're starting a brand, and, and I'll say that not if you're starting a wedding film company, but if you're trying to launch a brand, which I think everyone should, everyone's goal should be my wedding film company is a brand. How do you try to get information like this when maybe you don't have as much sources like we did? Because I think that's the, that's the thing that I, I know is unfair. We're kind of talking about like, oh, we would get all these leads and then we realized there was this market demand and all this stuff. And I don't think everyone's in that place where they can just suddenly like extract but it, there's probably some things they can look at in the world, though, to help them determine what their brand identity should be.
1: Yeah. Um, I think it starts with um, having self-awareness of what your strengths are. I can think of a million ways, I guess, to like start thinking about what your brand is going to be and not just like the technical side, not just like whatever. I think a lot of people do, like you said, start with themselves and they're like, I myself, I like to, you know, hike in the mountains. Therefore I want to do elopement videography in the mountains cause that's a part of who I am or whatever. Uh, but then a lot of people will be like, look, like we are just friendly. We love people like we like to do X, Y, and Z with people. We, our thing is people, you know, so that, you know, looking at their interactions with clients is a way, I guess, to like, think of your brand. Um, other people are just going to be like, look, I want it to be so technically sound. I want everything to be super tight, polished with, with my audio, with my shooting. I want to nail focus every time. And you know, and, but then the question is. And
0: I would say that's the worst foundation for a brand. (laughs) Well, like, like do you, who you are is a good foundation for a brand, who a customer is, is a good foundation for a brand. But like, I like to be like, it doesn't sell anything, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, it's not a saleable well, attribute. I might
1: push back a little bit on that because I think some people do just like, they will comment. They like, can come I, work I, for I, me then. I <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, I, I will say probably in the world, it's the least interesting when it comes to what a bride is interested in, but there might be some people out there. I mean, there are plenty of videographers that just, go out there and they're like, Hey, we're going to be in a ballroom at the Marriott or at the Holiday Inn. And I'm just going to technically push play, nail focus. And they're, they know they're going to get a product every time. Now I would say most videographers are not interested in, you know, cr- that's not a, a necessarily a great brand element. <laughs> it's just like, Hey, I do focus well, but, I uh, I don't know. I, I think there, there's probably people out there that are just like, Hey, they don't care that you, you know, wear a Stetson hat and, you know, are expressing yourself. They just want something but, that's But I think, presentable. I think it's
0: like, you gotta have start somewhere. Yeah. And I think that's really what we're getting at is like, if you're looking at yourself and you're like, okay, who am I, what, what should my brand be? It's mm-hmm. like, you gotta start somewhere. Yep. And I think there's a couple of things I think you can look at, which we mentioned a couple of them. First of all, who am I? Yep. Not just what do I like to shoot? That's part of it. But who am I? What's my personality? What can I build around that?
1: Uh, yeah. yeah. And and with that, I would say, what are your strengths? Yes. What is going to be the easiest thing for you to just to just flow out of you? Like if it's good customer service, go with that. Be like, Hey, this is my brand is good customer service. And how do you make it so you're able to give great customer service? Yeah. What would that even look like to have what a brand your, built on customer service? What do your it, systems look like? It would look yeah. like,
0: Fast response time, easy to get a hold of, yes. non-confusing website. Put your prices up front. Yep. If that's what it is, if for you it's exclusivity and luxury, it would mean a the imagery that backs that up. Yep. You know, a edit that looks editorial, um, like a color grade that works within the context of the magazines that your brides might be looking at. Um, just a lot of things. Like I think it comes a fancy
1: accent. You gotta be do. Helpful. M-
0: I think yeah. here's the biggest thing. You gotta do market research. Like your branding should be based on what the market is telling you. And so where is that? Where's the market? It's Instagram. Like looking at Instagram, looking at what does well, I think if you are not looking at photography publications like that are setting trends, Harper's vanity fair. And of course, like you got the June bugs, the Martha Stewart's, if you're not looking at all those places and looking and seeing this is what is published, you are not going to understand what brides and grooms are looking for. So you mm-hmm. got to look at that. And then I think, of course, you got to do market research on the cost part and all that junk. I think it, that's a big thing. So I'd encourage you, head over to the wedding report. You can get a lot of information. Of course, the Knot publishes something every year, which is wedding wire. Maybe they're going to do the same. They used to do two different reports. I don't know if they're, well, what they're going to do now that they're the same company. Mm-hmm. But there's all this information out there about what brides and grooms are spending. You know, I, I think you got to do some market research. And of course, this is the other one your competition. Mm -hmm. What are they making? Right. What are they making? Who, who are you competing against? And usually this means local. It doesn't mean like, like you might view, like I want to, I want to take a job from this, from Ray Roman. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, you're not competing with Ray Roman. You're not. Like the person who's booking Ray Roman, which is a planner more than a a couple doesn't even know you exist. So
1: yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a that's a good point. Um, I always like hearing other brands, doesn't matter what it is, whether it's, you know, fashion lines or, or, or technical, whatever, um, brands that are like, are you filling a need mm-hmm. like, and I think that really falls into play here where it's like, are you doing something that someone is looking for that they can't find it in anyone else? Like, are you filling that need for them so they can be like, oh, I've been looking, this is the one person that I'm looking for. Right. Um, so that's another thing to kind of, um, think about
0: launching it, the brand from scratch. Are you filling a need? It's a great initial nope. question.
1: Um, and the other thing that I would say you should be asking yourself when you are, and, and this is probably one of the last things that I would ask is like, are you comfortable making the money that that brand <laughs> can produce for you? Mm-hmm. You know, because well, if, I,
0: I was going to bring up a separate, a similar point,
1: yeah. Like, are you planning on going full-time? Are you planning on going part-time? Like, what are the finances going to look like when you are at full steam? Are you going to be happy with that amount of money if it's only $25,000 well, a year because the demand isn't that high or
0: what? Here's the thing. There's two parts of pricing that people mess up and yep. they forget that they're, they're not always linked, hmm. which is how much will someone pay per wedding and how much how many times will someone pay that? how much they'll pay per wedding might be $8,000, but there might be only four people to, willing to want that wedding. So maybe you, that's what you have to do. If you're like, Oh, I want luxury elopements and you're good enough and you can get them. Well, if there aren't a lot of them, maybe you can't book that many. Yeah. Maybe if you did 30 weddings at 5,000, you would actually do a lot better. Yeah. And it's like, that's where the market research comes into play. Um, in general. So
1: it, all, all of this is a little bit, I think if We're you're getting nerdy right here, if you're getting into building your brand, if you're just starting out, all of this is going to be just like pie in the sky. Like who knows? I, I don't even know. I look at the wedding report. I see how many numbers, I don't know how say elopement photography is going to work in our area or whatever. So it's, it's a little bit like, we'll see. I, I have to test it to see. And I would say, go with your gut. Go with who you are, go with those strengths. And if you're going and along the way, you're like, well, in order for me to really do what I want to be doing, maybe I just have to tweak it a little bit. So I'm just shooting more traditional weddings, but in an adventure style or something like that, tweak it along the way, go start out with these things, start out with as much data as you can collect, because who knows, like you could be bench heish. Well, or we a film. We had to drop Bench Haisch because we talk about him every, every episode
0: until he is willing to come on our show. Yeah,
1: anymore. exactly. They keep banging down the door for Bench to come on, which I think he does want to come on by yeah, the way. We're actually um. <laughs> 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 uh, I'm just pretending like we're having conflict. Yeah, yeah. We're having a beef. Um <laughs> I um yeah, I would say you could be Bench Haisch where you literally start a genre, you know, like so I would say pursue something and whatever is working. Go that direction and and evolve your brand to still um uh reflect the um uh standards that you're you're looking to achieve and 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 the goals that you have for the business but maybe you have to change things on the way and that's okay too
0: yeah i mean so because we're kind of talking about how do you decide mm-hmm. what your brand is i think before we kind of we should go through what a brand really is composed of. Mm-hmm. And I, I think a brand is composed of a lot of different things. It, I mean, we always say a brand is what people say about you when you're not around. Yep. So a brand is a reputation. It's an image, it's a feeling, you know, and, and of, of that, you got logos, you got a website, you got a social media presence. And I would say like a, a way of talking, like a communication style that your brand does, even the types of posts that you do, you know, you watch the way grace from bottle brush communicates. And that is how their website looks. Everything about it's, it's not all about selling to the most possible people. It's just about when you talk to your person, that person knows it. Mm -hmm. And they're like, Oh, I've been looking for that. I've always wanted a brand exactly like bottle brush films. I'm going to give them some money, you know? And so when you're making that decision, like, you're, I think it's better off picking a really strong brand identity that will turn some people off than to pick something like just whatever you do. I'm looking at the camera now so I can look at you in YouTube land. Whatever you choose to do, if you've made it this far into this podcast, congratulations. But whatever you choose to do, please pick something that actually stands out a little bit. The lame and, and the, I don't know. Like, there's probably people out there. I'm going to offend somebody. but like Great Moments Productions. That's so boring <laughs> <laughs> or like good weddings films. <laughs> like it's just people don't, you can tell us the last thing that they think of. And here's what I'll say about it. Some well, people I, suck at it and that's okay. There are people who do this for a living. Go pay someone, get a branding, get a, get a PR person or like a person who can help you with, just branding in general and and get it done by someone who's good at it. You don't have to be good at this, but the brand has to be good. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: I would say uh, Good Moments Productions. um, It's a pretty strong brand, actually. (laughs) I I would say if you're a creative and you want to be doing elopement films, you better not be named Good Moments Productions, you know, or whatever. Well, no, there's
0: probably a boring customer who wants Good Moments.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. Exactly. So I would say it's a very strong brand because someone's like, well, we're going to have good moments at our wedding and they're going to hire you. So, so if you want to shoot
0: good moments,
1: yep. Yep. It's it's who are you trying to attract with your brand? Cause, cause they'll come running and how know? much
0: money do you want to demand? Yep. I think looking at, to me as a person who's a, we're okay at branding. We'll talk about our numbers in a little bit and then we'll, we'll kind of close out. But like the first thing I look at is how much am I trying to sell this for? Yeah. Because that determines, the sensibilities of the brand. Like if you're saying I want to sell $25,000 wedding films, you're only selling luxury wedding films. You have to appeal to planners. They have to feel like when they tag you, it doesn't make them feel a certain way Mm -hmm. when they, when a publication looks like you have to fit into that ecosystem. So like you have to be informed by that. But if you're like, cause it, when we looked at Merriment Films, we're like, this is silly. It's supposed to be fun. That's it. We don't care if we ever get published. It's supposed to be fun. I want you to see it on Instagram and say, that was fun. I'm going to send them a message. Mm-hmm. And that was it. So, we, so anyway, we launched this brand. I think we really launched it. like we, we kind of soft launched it in March. Yep. And then we launched it to the world, I think, in November. And since then, you know, we've been running Facebook, we, all we do is run Facebook ad campaigns. How's that been going from a sales standpoint for you?
1: Um, definitely a learning process. Um, I finally feel, and and mostly what I do guys, besides, you know, the Wedding Film School podcast um, and show is uh, sales and, and, and talking to brides day in and day out. Like um, today, I probably have three consultations as, as we, we talk. Um, so it's something that I'm very familiar with. Um, I'm talking on the phone with brides and grooms all day long, some days. Um, and so it's been a process, um, learning how to sell merriment, how to work that ladder of just like, Hey, here's the, here are the differences. Cause a lot of people going from stop love to merriment, um, are like, well, what am I really getting if I'm paying less here? Like they're a little bit suspect. So making them feel like, oh yeah, like I am going to still get a great video but um, I'm just gonna be paying for less and maybe receiving less, but the quality is still gonna be the same. So working that side of the branding (laughs) itself uh, has been a a learning process, but I would say it's going very well. Um, Learning how to become more efficient um, just takes time. Um, As far as uh, learning how to sell people, learning what's important to people. Um, But I think we've done in 2020 when we launched, I think we did, four or five weddings last year in the middle of COVID. We had probably about six plans. So
0: some of them were ones that we, um, just said, Hey, we're just going to do it this way. Is that okay? They didn't, they didn't book merriment. We just, they were stop, go love weddings. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we shot a stop, go love wedding, and then we colored it and we handheld it really quick too. If
0: you're launching your brand, find the, couple that will let you make the film you want and do it for anything they're willing to pay
1: yeah good point those
0: people are their gold that's the actual content we've launched two brands off one film Mm -hmm. both times because we got the right couple
1: yep uh moving into 2021 i think we probably have like five or six this year expecting to book more kind of last minute ones Um, and then 2022 is really, people are banging down the door for 2022. So it's coming along. Um, Yeah, I think it's going pretty well. We have,
0: we have launched our Facebook ad campaign. We've had 620 clicks on our campaigns in the last, I think actually that's only like 60 days. Uh, yeah. Since, since the middle of January last 30 days. So we're, we're, you know, no, we're not always the right person for someone, but we've, we've spent probably, uh, 1500 bucks Mm-hmm to get those clicks, I am perfectly happy to spend $2 a click, 250 a click, probably converted about 300, $400 a conversion off our ads campaigns. So like when you're starting out, like don't expect to get going for free with your new brand, like getting that brand off the ground. You get a great brand image, get a great audience. You're aiming after which you need in order to actually target your customers. Um, and then you, you know, you get some great initial content. We shot some, uh, styled shoots and we shot some weddings, got our website looking professional. Yep. And so, well, and this, uh, I will say we had those campaigns going earlier before the website launch, just to see what would happen. The numbers were terrible. Well, we Before had the website was ready. we had a
1: single page that just literally had a video and a contact form on it. It was and terrible, like a little bit of copy, and we converted a few, and like not really a lot. But again, like going to literally branding, the day we launched the new website, and it was like form, 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 form. You know, we could tell like okay, that was the log jam in our branding that sucked.
0: <laughs> well, it, it we didn't have time to get to it. So yeah. to, in our in our defense, but we we were getting clicks on our ads. And so this is a great way when you're looking at your brand, trying to figure out where people are falling off is Mm -hmm. really important and looking at it systematically. So we were getting clicks on our ads. We knew people liked the ad. We, we would get shares on our ad. We knew it was, and then they would hit the website and they wouldn't fill out the form Mm -hmm. and we knew that's the problem. We just didn't have time to get to it. The week we turned it on, our ads became three times more effective. Mm -hmm. Right. When we got our, um, our website working the way we wanted, it. And so I would say get figuring out where the, your, your brand is failing people, where it's failing to communicate the right message is a big thing, mm-hmm. right? If you're getting people, if you're getting a lot of likes on your images on Instagram, but you're not getting a lot of bookings, if you're getting a lot of clicks on your ads, but you're not getting a lot of bookings, your website's probably the problem.
1: Mm-hmm. Something going back to, to branding too. Um, when you actually talk to people on the phone, um, they'll tell you what they like. You know they'll tell you what's working for your branding like i'll you know it works perfect like I, I talk to people um on the stop go love side and i love when they explain to me what i do perfectly like w- explain my brand stop go love i love when they're like well you guys like the thing that stands out is that you guys are just seem super positive like every one of your films seems like it comes across as positive even the slow films and um, you guys seem like you don't get in the way you guys like seem like you do more documentary style. You guys see, and I'm just like smiling ear to ear because I know when they're telling me these things, I know I have a good brand. You communicated
0: what we do. I have that the person
1: um, that my ideal customer ready to spend money by the time I'm on the phone with them. I, d- I don't have to do real sales on my end. I just say, yeah, great. Yeah, I'll send you that contract. That's pretty much all I'm doing. I, of course, am friendly and I, I, I'm happy to walk people through, but getting me on the phone is kind of just like that final confirmation of just like, yeah, these guys are what's right for us. And I think that's the sign of a good brand. When you have someone who just needs maybe that little bit of like confirmation of like the consultation, that's when you know you, you have a solid brand.
0: Well, that's what I said. Artists sell their work, but brands sell themselves. Yep. And so like most of our clients that are a right, like, or potential clients that, and I wouldn't say we have this figured out with Merriman yet. Um, but, but with stop, go love, now that we have it humming over the years, they're getting on the phone and they're Mm pre-sold. And and this is where I'll always like, I hear this talk a lot about like basically you have to convince them of your value, convince them of your value. And, and like, I'm fine with upselling people, all that junk. I totally get it. If your model is to not keep the prices and and like you're selling a more expensive product, I think it changes the more your product goes up. But I do think one little thing I'd push back on is like, yeah, you might have to convince somebody to spend maybe a little more than they're planning, but you shouldn't have to convince them that they want to work with you. Mm -hmm. Like they should be looking at your work, trying to looking for an excuse to spend more money because the brand has paved the way. The work is already creating that relationship before they've even arrived there, whether it be the Instagram, the website, the whole experience, it's holistic. A brand is holistic. Your work is just like one thing. I'll tell you this, our Huxley film brand, we're dealing with a totally different audience or we're wanting to, where it's not humming at all. It's not moving where I want it to in terms of, we haven't connected with that audience yet. And I think our work is good it does not matter how good that work is Mm -hmm. because the brand is not connecting with the right person. Right? I don't believe anybody would ever just find that work and be like, Oh, uh, our website's not done. It does not matter about how good the work is. The brand isn't communicating the story. Well, once you get that brand clicking, you'll realize suddenly like, Oh, I had one little thing that was holding me back. So if you're launching a brand from scratch, let's just really quick recap. a I really think you wanna think about who you are I think and what you wanna make, of course. I think you wanna look at your audience, who you wanna sell it to, and there's a lot of ways to do that, whether it be researching magazines, Instagram, but like being very open-minded, I think, to what the market's demanding. I think you need to be looking at how much you wanna sell it for and how often. And, and then I think you need to make sure it freaking looks dope. Your website, your logos, all that crap. And if you can't do it yourself, pay somebody because the sign of a good brand is that like Jared said, when you get on the phone with that person, that person already knows they want it. They're already, and they're just waiting for an excuse for you to buy it is really what it is. Like, it's like their final confirmation. I think.
1: This isn't too groundbreaking. Um, because if you hear anyone talk about branding in the wedding industry, they'll probably say it, but branding is storytelling, right? Yes. Um, which is ironic because I would probably say the worst branding in the wedding industry is from, Storytellers in wedding filmmakers. <laughs>
0: wedding filmmakers. <laughs> the
1: worst. It's the worst. Storytellers, the worst branders, you know, because we have the most, you know, stories in time, uh, you know, <laughs> brands or wh- whatever people's names are. Not not good storytellers. Photographers are fantastic storytellers.
0: Brand storytellers.
1: Brand storytellers. Brand storytellers. Um, wedding planners. Fanta- maybe wedding planners. I would just what say what a lot of other I people think
0: do. <laughs> I'll echo what you're saying. Yeah. Go, go research the top wedding, f- uh, photographers and the top, um, uh, planners and event people and look at how they present their brand and do that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yep. It, no one cares about your gear. No one cares about like really much except how you're, you're going to make them feel through your work and on-site, and how you make them feel when they're interacting with
0: you. Well, and also how do you make their friends feel when they show off your Instagram page? mm -hmm. Yep. Like, do you make them look cool or not? Like this stuff, it seems so stupid, but if it's so stupid, just do it. If it's so easy, just do it. Like (laughs) it's not like it's harder by the way than making the wedding films that you make, which are very hard to make. If you can't figure it out, there's like a million people who do this for a living and they can help you. But I'm telling you, like, if you want to spend less time doing things you hate, get a good brand and all of it magically becomes a lot easier. Yep. I'll tell you that. Like people go, how do you get so many leads? Some of it is we spend money. That's part of it. We're willing to spend money. We have a budget for ads. We've always done it that way. Not, this is not a new thing since we've become successful. This is what helped us become... When we were booking 30 weddings a year, we were still putting 10 grand into wedding hats. That's just how we've always done it. But the other thing we do is we create a brand that makes it a lot easier to sell. So when you're taking... You're probably doing, like, 400 phone calls a year.
1: Ugh. At least.
0: 400 phone calls a year. You know, 30 minutes each. Yeah. Um, And we're closing on... Whatever, hundred and twenty, two hundred of those, because some of them are for next year. Mm-hmm. So forty percent of those phone calls become money.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe less. Probably less. Yeah.
0: Probably less. Well, I think I've tracked like twenty to twenty-five percent of our, our leads yeah. become booking. Yep. That yep. is pretty great. Yep. And it is much it makes that phone call much easier to bear when you know this is how I make my money. If you are kind of hearing this and you're like that was like a drinking from a fire hose that whole episode really what we're talking about is we are starting a new brand from scratch of course i think we're pretty good at branding we have a brand that's working well we have we actually have two brands one of them is struggling right it's our luxury brand it's something that we're still figuring out how do we get our branding together one of them is new and i think it's going pretty well merriment films which we started with a very clear idea of who we're selling to and how to get to them and one of them is of course a mature brand that has Um, all the trappings of a mature brand and the things that it gives you, which is making sales a lot easier, wherever you are in your process, whether you're like merriment where you're like, I got something new and I know exactly what I'm doing and how to get there. Or you're like Huxley where we have something new, we have, I think a good product, but we're not sure how to sell it. Or you're just got a mature brand and all you're trying to do is tweak it. I think like understanding, like this is not something that you can just, um, ignore you have to read i think we redo this every year to some extent with all our brands and so it's not a set it and forget it like getting your brand moving and communicating with your audience i think is something that requires constant attention right
1: yeah certainly i mean i was doing it last night at midnight uh going on to our not profile and going through all of our templates that i'm like uh, <laughs> are all natalia's uh responses and automated things and i'm like this doesn't sound like me at all. This sounds like someone completely different and going through that and making it feel like it's more of a reflection. Again, a reflection of who I am and the values that I have, and making people feel like comfortable with it's me. The experience so, they're going to get. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's like such a minor thing. I and mean, maybe people put too much of an emphasis sometimes, even on that kind of stuff. Like you would probably be like, "Doesn't matter. Like, just get it out." <laughs> I actually
0: but, think that really matters. Sure. Like some things don't matter, but I think how we communicate really, really matters.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Because
0: people take so much um, information. That's like key information and key connection points that really matter. And you're saving yourself time too. Mm -hmm. Like if you do it right the first time, you don't have to worry about like every, you're paving your way, you're building a, like your brand, every interaction someone has with you, first they see your logo, then they see your post, then they see your ad. You were telling me a story the other day that I think really sells what a mature brand will do for you, and 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 I want us to kind of paint this picture because I I think no matter where you are in your business, understanding the value of this I think is critical. And and Jared told me a story the other day, and I thought it was really really cool, and I wanted to kind of have him recount it.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, I think that you're referring to the conversation that I had uh, talking to to a bride where she was like. You know, I talked to my friends, and I was asking them who they use for videography, and they said, stop, go love. And then I was talking to another friend, like, months later, and I saw your wedding film uh, they, that they posted on their their Facebook. And then she was like, I went to our wedding venue, and, you know, or uh, right, I Googled our wedding venue, and you popped up again there. And then I was served an ad from you <laughs> from Facebook. She was like, it was just like you guys were popping up everywhere, so it just seemed like it was fate. Like, it was just meant to be, you know, So this person... Together.
0: Yeah, this person had had like that we know of yeah. five interactions with us mm-hmm. before they ever reached out. In sales and in branding, this is what the normal statistic is a person needs 10 interactions with your brand before they will trust it. Yep, yep. 10 positive interactions. And that could be look at a post read the comments, go to the website, but whatever you're trying like if you're not trying to get as many positive interactions f- with you and if you're failing at any of these, don't be surprised if it moves, if it's not converting the same way. And so I would say for us, we're at a bunch of different stages. We're starting this new brand. Hopefully it goes well. Um if you're starting a new brand, I hope you're in a like the same place we are where you're kind of seeing interest and you're seeing people gravitate towards it. And if you are awesome, if not, let us know in the comments, how we can help you kind of tell them like, Hey, this is what I'm struggling with. And I think one of the best places to go kind of get conversations going about branding and where you are in your brand, if you're hitting a wall, whatever is head to that Facebook group that we have wedding film school, go to Facebook head to the group It's a great community of people. And, and cause we really believe like, We're better together. We're better when we're talking about our issues and and, and trying to come up with solutions. And there's a lot of experienced people, no matter what type of business you are, there's somebody in that group who has, I think, a similar business than you do. Um, If you like this podcast, give us a rating or review. If you like the YouTube episode, um, go ahead and follow, subscribe, hit the alert bell, which is actually what matters the most if you hit the alert bell. And um, definitely check out our other content because we don't just have the Wedding Film School show, we have tutorials and all other content on there, right Jared? right Jason right so definitely check it out thank you so much for checking out this episode um, where we talked about starting a brand from scratch in our case we started Merriment Films what brand are you starting let us know in the comments how we can help because we want to be there for you and the community have a great day
1: I'ma get right in my bed. Uh, why you gonna try to get mad uh, everybody wanna keep up uh,
0: but you know I'm too fast uh, i am zip, zip right past uh, drip drip all on my swag